Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com. There you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibition, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Nicholas Titelli. Nicholas is both a published and international award-winning fine art photographer. He was born in New York City and grew up in Lower Manhattan in Greenwich Village. During the 60s and then through the 70s, the village was a hotbed of culture and the arts. And During this period, Nicholas was introduced to art and photography, developing an interest in what would become his lifelong passion. Well, good morning, Nicholas, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, and we look forward to... Uh, talking with you today, and let's start off with having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Nicholas. Well, as you mentioned, I uh, grew up in, uh, in Greenwich Village, uh, lower, lower Manhattan. Uh, my, uh, my parents uh, both had emigrated uh, from, uh, from Greece, uh, and as a result of that, I had an exceptional uh, opportunity to spend my childhood summers uh, in Greece and, and the Greek islands, which was just a wonderful and enriching experience that I think uh, with any travel, you always add to your uh, to your personality and personal growth, and and kind of open the uh, the parameters of, of life and uh, and your views. Uh, I have one daughter, my my daughter Lauren, who uh, herself is an aspiring artist. She's a goldsmith and a jewelry designer uh, based out of L.A. And I spend a lot of time uh, with her, and we do a lot of father daughter travels together as uh, she's also uh, an avid amateur photographer. Uh, when I was uh, 21, uh, or just slightly before that, I started uh, uh, the you know work-for-someone-else uh, routine, and it didn't quite agree with me, and I wanted to do my own thing. So I started my business when, uh, when I was 21 and uh, have been self-employed for the last 37 years. Um, wow. Now I've reaching a point of where I am I've uh, I've kind of kind of sort of quasi semi retired and it's given me uh, a lot of extra time uh which I've been able to kind of redirect and and pick up and expand on my passion about photography and what I do uh and try to uh you know take it a step further and then and put it put it out in the public eye Well Nicholas that's wonderful and uh when did you first become interested in photography? Well, growing up in, uh, in Greenwich Village in the, uh, the 60s and 70s was just an explosion of artistic creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was everywhere all around me. Uh, I, I just basked in it. It was just, uh, just an amazing uh, you know, opportunity, especially given the fact that my stepfather was an artist himself. So rather than uh, being drawn to it, you can almost say it was inbred in me because it was just all around <laughs> me, inside the house and outside the house. There's no escape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure that was a very interesting time because uh, you know, Greenwich Village was certainly the happening place at, at that time. Very much so. It was just uh, just an incredible uh, experience. You know, uh, great great opportunities to see things. Uh, you know, uh, things that just left 
you in shock and awe, and things are just left you scratching your head. You had it all. Well, Nicholas, let's uh, talk about your photography and uh, tell the audience where you get the inspiration for your photography. My inspiration uh, from a personal perspective is really comes from my, my love of travel. Uh, I've traveled all my life, and I think travel significantly adds and rounds out one's personality. Uh, I love traveling to destinations that most people don't really get an opportunity to visit, and it allows me to capture, uh, bring back and share photographs of wonderful cultures, people, sites that I've been privileged to see. Uh, I especially enjoy uh, um, more so traveling with my daughter, where we try to do at least one father-daughter trip a year. Uh, More recently, uh, in terms of inspiration uh, from a public perspective, uh, I've been getting inspiration from my Facebook followers somehow, and, and I really don't know how this happened. Over the last 10 months, I've managed to attract nearly 40,000 people from all over the world who now follow me and follow my photography work and always look forward to seeing my posts. Uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy, and, and I mean, I'm honored and certainly inspired, but now I'm also squarely uh, in the spotlight to produce, too. Well, Nicholas, would you like to share your uh, what is the name of your Facebook page so uh, the audience can follow along with you as well? Yeah, I, I do nothing cryptic, so the uh, the Facebook <laughs> page is uh, Nicholas H. Uh, I think it's actually N H Tatelli Fine Art Photography, uh, and my website is uh, of course uh, you know uh, Tatelli dot com. So it, I try to keep a consistency. Okay, and. Uh... The audience out there, Tatelli is T E T E L I. Correct. All right. So, well, Nicholas, now, so you're, I take it you probably carry a camera with you just about wherever you go. Is that correct? That's uh, that's true. Do you have a favorite camera or a camera of choice? Well, I uh, until recently I was exclusively equipped with only. Leica cameras. I have six Leica cameras, uh, and uh, going across the you know the variations, it really depends on what I'm going to uh, you know be looking at the subject matter, what I'm going to be photographing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, for um, for landscapes, uh, I love uh, using my uh, Leica M uh, camera, and uh, you know the, the the lens quality and and and, and what these uh, uh, the resolution that these lenses capture is just is just amazing. While with the Leica SL, I may use that more for uh, you know portrait uh, type subject matter. But uh, there's no really one favorite camera, if you will. Uh, I, it's mm-hmm. just a bag of tools, and depending on where I'm going, I'll, I'll select <laughs> the, one or two of those cameras to uh, to bring with me on a, on a on a trip or you know whatever it is that I'm doing. More recently, I just mm-hmm. uh, Added and I used the in a, uh, trip just the, the other week uh, in California, uh, the uh, the new Hasselblad uh, medium format uh, X1D, uh, which uh, is also an amazing camera. Uh, but I just need a little more time to work with it to determine its capabilities and, and uh, how it relates to my work and how I can use it better. So on occasions, I take it then you do kind of go out and say, okay, today I'll be taking you know, photographs or I'm going to this location or this area. So you kind of have an idea, I'm guessing, then of of, uh, what you're looking for? Yeah, typically uh, with my photography work, most of it uh, really revolves around planned trips. 
so, for example, uh, uh, just uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm leaving and I'm meeting my daughter in uh, in Iceland, uh, and oh, wow. we're going to spend uh, spend a week there. And we have you know we have four days uh, planned where I've, I've hired uh, uh, you know a, a photography tour uh, company to give us uh, private tours to take us to various. Uh, uh, you know, places like you know some of the glaciers and ice caves and you know things things along those lines. So for a trip like that, I'll take uh, uh, you know my Leica M camera, which I, I love to use for uh, for the you know all my landscape photography, and uh, and I have a, a favorite lens, which is the uh, Sumalux 21 millimeter uh, 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 f 1.4 lens, uh, and that, that just yields just incredibly outstanding results. While we're walking around in Reykjavik. I'll probably uh, have my Leica Q camera, and uh, and use that, which is a fixed lens camera, meaning for the audience, meaning that you can't change the lens. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll usually plan, uh, you know, for the purposes of my photography destination trips. I will do some local uh, photography uh, every uh, every now and again, but it's always uh, uh, the subject matter is always considered, and then based on that subject matter. I, uh, I usually uh, default to a particular camera or two that I'll that I'll take to uh, to utilize for that uh, that particular subject. Well, Nicholas, do you have a favorite subject matter? It, it has to be landscape photography. Uh, it just uh, it just speaks to me. Um, I, I probably think that uh, you know almost half of my photography is uh, is landscape. I, I just love nature. Uh, I think uh, Mother Nature uh, just uh, presents such incredible aura and, and beauty. Um, and then the trick is really to, you know, how to, how to capture it and, and uh, be able to present it, you know, in a, in a photographic presentation. Well, after you, or when you come upon an image or a scene or a view that you wish to photograph, uh, tell us how you go about then uh, doing the photographs of that image. Really, uh, it really happens kind of just like natively. Uh, it's like you know everybody uh, always comments about you know the photographer's eye, and you know as being the cornerstone to a person's photographs, and and you know I agree with that. And a lot of people tell me that I have the eye, and and I give them the eye, and I say, these people are nuts. But you know, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> But at the end, because I have to tell you, when I when I first look at my photographs from you know a trip or or whatever it was that I was shooting, I never like any of my photographs. I was like, oh my god, these are horrible. I said, you know, I really you know I did a terrible job. I did you know whatever. I criticized myself to death. And then you know two or three days later, I'll go back and say, well, that was not too bad, and that was not too bad. And then two or three days later, you know. Well, that one's actually pretty good, you know. And then I just kind of warm up to to the photography. I guess I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a strong strong critic of uh, of my own uh, of my own work. But uh, it's really uh, it's really hard to peg uh, what it is that I do because it just kind of happens natively and naturally. And it just I'll come across something or, or a subject and and it just captures my interest and I you know, pick up the camera like instinctively and then start photographing. And and typically I'll take, you know, five, six, seven shots of the same subject, maybe from slight, you know, uh, uh, perspective variations or or things along those lines. But it just, it's not a, not a conscious, but rather a uh, more of a subconscious reaction to, uh, to seeing the subject and then photographing it. 
And so uh, then you get your photographs home. I'm going to assume you're looking at them on a computer. Is there any uh, enhancement that you do uh, using uh, software programs? Absolutely. Every uh, uh, every one of my uh, photographs uh, is is worked on. Every every single one of them because uh, within. Uh, um, and to answer your question, I, I, I use uh, exclusively uh, Adobe Lightroom, uh, you know, it's a photo, mm-hmm. Photoshop, you know, variant. Um, right. But the, the work that I do with most of the photographs is, uh, for the most part, uh, what I'm going to call light. There's not that much uh, change to the photographs uh, unless I really want to uh, emphasize uh, you know, a feature in the photograph or, or you know, um, bring out a certain reaction or, or, or emotion and then I'll make you know stronger stronger changes but I, I do work on uh, on all my photographs and they all are uh, worked on and tweaked or, or, or touched up uh, to varying extents well normally uh, on that part of the process how do, how long does that take Nicholas well as you might imagine you know it's uh, <laughs> it, it takes a while uh, it's mm-hmm. working on photographs one by one I mean, you have to you know, when I come back uh, from Iceland, I'll probably, uh, you know, come back with anywhere from two to 3,000 photographs. And of oh, those wow. two to 3,000 photographs, you know, uh, I may find 50 to 100 that I really like that, you know, will whittle down to maybe, uh, you know, 20 or 25 uh, end products. And uh, very often I'll find myself, you know, working on a, on a photograph, spend hours and hours and, you know, get to the uh, get to the end and I take a look at it and, I'll say, wow, that was a total waste of time. I really don't like that photograph. <laughs> and off it goes to the side, and you know, we move on to the next one. But, but that's you know, really mm-hmm. part of it because as you're working at it, you, you start to feel, uh, you feel the photograph. You kind of feel what you felt at the time that you took the photograph, uh, and you uh-huh. try to marry those two worlds in the presentation. Uh, and sometimes you can accomplish it very effectively, and then sometimes, no matter what you do, it, you know, it just won't come out that way. But there's uh, I would say the uh, you know the, the working with the photographs on my computer is probably the most significant chunk of time that I spend. Well, Nicholas, is there another artist or a photographer that you feel has influenced your your artwork? Well, I would say the the artist that has influenced me more than anybody else has to be my stepfather. Uh, as I mentioned uh, uh, earlier, uh, you know he was uh, he was an artist. He was an abstract artist, uh, and you know, back when I was growing up in the '60s and '70s, uh, you know, abstract was just exploding. I mean, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And 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 I have to tell you also uh, honestly that I never liked any of my father's abstract work. Uh, but what inspired <laughs> me was yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I told him that too, and, and he was he was okay with it. Uh, you know, keeping in mind, you know, also that you know his art was being bought. Um, uh, many people were interested in his art. Uh, in fact, Reese Brothers Restaurant in uh, New York City uh, commissioned him to uh, effectively take one of their restaurants, which was the, uh, the Trattoria restaurant on 42nd Street, right across the street from the uh, New York uh, Public Library, and effectively mm-hmm. gave him the restaurant as a, as a canvas. And he did the entire restaurant, walls, ceilings, floors, I mean, everything, uh, you know, as an mm-hmm. abstract uh, rendition of his artwork. So, uh, you know, so while I didn't like, you know, his artwork, uh, uh, people, uh, many people certainly loved it and, uh, and he was, you know, rather successful with it. 
but what inspired me was, you know, his love and his passion. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at him, uh, you know, how much he invested and how much gratification he got out of, uh, you know, doing his art. And, you know, it really kind of uh, lit a light bulb in my head. And I said, you know what? That's so cool. I said, I'd love to have something like that. Um, I need to find it. And, and that's what kind of really started uh, moving me forward with my photography. My wife's father was also an abstract artist and spent time in the village, but this was back in the 30s and 40s. That was wow. still a hotbed even back then for, for art and culture. It, it really was. It always uh, it, it was for a long time. I mean, now I think it's uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, kind of seeing a resurgence again because you have you know uh, like Soho with all the galleries and, and and you know a lot of these things that are just kind of reviving you know the arts in the area and Chelsea and all, and all that sort of surrounding areas. Uh, but it really, really has been uh, its footprint in the art world. Uh, you know, was very long-lasting. Well, Nicholas, I think we're at a good spot for a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the uh, photographs you have here on the gallery. Sounds good. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Nicholas Ditelli's artwork by coming to Contemporary Art Gallery online. Click on the Search by Artist tab, Gallery Featured Artist tab, and then look for Nicholas Ditelli's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants, so if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner tab at the bottom of the homepage and follow the prompts under the Member Application Process tab. And if you're a designer, an architect, or just a lover of great art who believes art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, and, of course, by the individual artist. And, again, to view Nicholas Tatelli's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then follow to Nicholas Tatelli's name. Well, Nicholas, let's uh, start off with uh, a piece you have called Lollipop 3. Ah, yes, Lollipop 3. That's (laughs) probably my, uh, at this point, most uh, award-winning photograph uh, that I have in, uh, in my entire collection. It's been uh, uh, in a dozen galleries. It's uh, won many, many awards. Uh, and I, I think what uh, what attracts people to, to Lollipop 3, it's unlike anything they've seen. Uh, in fact, this was another father and daughter trip uh, out to, uh, to Arizona, and uh, we, uh, we drove for almost two hours on a dirt rocky road going very, very slowly to get out to this particular location. Uh, and once we got there, I think it was my daughter, myself, and I think there might have been one other person at one point uh, that was at, uh, at Lollipop Mountain uh, in uh, White Pocket, uh, the White Pocket area of, uh, of Arizona. What's, what's, what's interesting about this, uh, this particular uh, photograph was uh, it was on exhibition at Art Comes Alive 2016, uh, which is kind of a, almost like a red carpet kind of uh, exhibition that's hosted by uh, a gallery, uh, ABC Art Consultants and Blink Art Gallery out in, uh, in uh, Ohio. Uh, and toward the, uh, toward the end of the show, it hadn't received any awards, but toward the end of the show, they uh, 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 put all the artists' work uh, that were in the exhibition 
uh, and put it on uh, on Facebook and ask people to vote uh, for a People's Choice Award. Uh, Lollipop uh, 3 uh, got a lot of attention. Uh, the second place uh, award went to a photographer uh, with uh, receiving, I think, about uh, 800 votes. And Lollipop 3 uh, honored me in, in getting over 7,000 votes. Uh, so it oh, went, wow. uh, went by leaps and bounds way ahead. <laughs> And uh, and in doing that, uh, it also got me a one-year gallery contract uh, with the folks out uh, in uh, in Cincinnati, and uh, and it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, but you know, Lollipop Three is really uh, uh, it's just an amazing uh, blend of, of textures and colors, and and it just shows you how beautiful nature is. Approximately what time of day was that uh, photograph taken? Do you recall? Yeah, actually, I do because my daughter and I were freezing to death. Actually, you know, if you look in uh, like the lower left-hand corner, you'll see some white stuff. It's called snow. It was really, really cold. Um, but this uh, this photograph was taken at around three, four p.m. That is a beautiful photograph. Location: Where approximately in Arizona is uh, Lollipop Mountain? It's uh, White Pocket, Arizona. And it's right near, uh, I believe it was called Vermilion Cliffs. Well, it is a very beautiful uh, photograph, and I can uh, see why it did so well in the People's Choice Awards. Well, thank you so much. Actually, it just uh, it just made the uh, made the cover of Studio Magazine. So, oh wow! I didn't know what was happening, so I was like shocked. <laughs> so that's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, and another very interesting piece you have on the gallery is called The Sharks Are Out. Tell the audience about that piece. Oh, my God. Uh, I had the opportunity to visit Cuba last March. Uh, and just what an extraordinary opportunity. You know, you know growing up when I grew up, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s and the Cold War era and and, mm-hmm. and and everything that was going on, I never thought, you know, my eyes would ever see Cuba in my lifetime. Uh, you know, that, that was fairly evident with the way things were going, or I should say not going. Uh, mm-hmm. And with some of the changes, uh, you know, especially the cultural exchange uh, opportunities, uh, the, the, the opportunity did come up. Uh, and I went to Cuba with a very small group uh, headed by uh, Peter Turnley, who in his own right is a world-renowned photojournalist and, and photographer uh, uh, extraordinaire, uh, who's now also a friend. And we uh, we visited uh, we visited Cuba and and it was just like taking a step back to the 1950s and 60s. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a society you know frozen in time and uh, it was just overwhelming. Uh, but it, it this quintessential character. It was amazing. Uh, so I wanted to take uh, uh, as many photographs as I could and and. Now coming back, uh, I, I want to go back again for a second time because uh, now I know what I really, really want to focus on. Uh, when I was there, it was just like I was taking pictures of everything because, you know, it was like a kid let loose in a candy store. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the people, incredibly warm, inviting, embracing. Uh, when, they, uh, when they found out that, you know, we were from the States, uh, you know, their eyes lit up and uh, you know, come in, meet my family, have some coffee. You know, it was just like unbelievable how how wonderful uh, uh, and inviting the people were. Uh, 
uh, and the uh, the food was just off the charts. I mean, I uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy going to uh, in Cuban cuisine, you know, uh, restaurants uh, in my area, and that food is really good. I got to tell you, the food mm-hmm. in Cuba that we had was just just amazing. But <clears throat> what I wanted to do was really uh, try to capture certain perspectives. You know, the sharks are out is certainly uh, one of them. What the uh, you know, the fellow in the orange car uh, is doing, uh, that was in a, on a three-way intersection uh, just, you know, off the, uh, a couple of blocks off the main boulevard. And because people have very limited means in Cuba, uh, they don't have money for transportation. So what these guys would, would do is they pull up with these classic old American cars, stop, and let people jump in their car and just take a ride with them. And they, they would drop them off, uh, you know, as far as they were going. So kind of a, you know, a, a bonding, cultural bonding where, you know, Cubans helping other Cubans, you know, get on with their daily routines mm-hmm. and lives. Uh, and it was just uh, it was just fascinating. And uh, I was really overwhelmed and, and very, very, uh, very impressed uh, how wonderful the people are. Well, I've certainly heard that from uh, other people. I have not had the, the opportunity yet to get to Cuba. I hope to soon on the next year or two but other people that i've spoken with that have been there recently uh have been very impressed and uh and and really talk a lot about the people and talking about the car i I watched uh, one of the reality shows i can't remember the the name of it now but they went to it was their car mechanics or they trick out cars but they had gone to uh cuba and had uh met and worked with some of the uh, mechanics there because they and they were talking about because you know that's they don't have new cars yep. so it's about keeping those old ones running <laughs> well you know what it is and, and it's funny because i uh i have a friend uh, uh and we were talking about the cars before i went to cuba and uh mm-hmm. and he told me you know with authorities as well you know they gotta make their own parts over there because they can't get american mm-hmm. parts and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, of course, that all made sense to me. And then uh, mm-hmm. one day we came out of the uh, the, the hotel we were staying at, the uh, the Park Central Hotel, and right across the street, uh, you know, a lot of these are, are taxis. Uh, so you can hire them for, like, you know, mm-hmm. 30, uh, 30 kooks. Uh, um, uh, uh, kook is, their, uh, is the Cuban uh, currency, and it's equivalent almost like on a one-to-one basis with the dollar. So 30 bucks, and they take you for an hour. Um and they uh, uh, take you for a tour. And so uh, we're driving, and I was in a, a 1949, I don't know, Oldsmobile or, or something like that. <laughs> and it was, in, you know, it was in great shape. Uh, you know, it was like, it's like, wow, this is like, you know, amazing. And and I turn around to the driver, and and I tell him, I said, how do you maintain these? Where do you get your parts from? So he looked at me like I was stupid, and and says to me, from the U.S. And I was like, okay. So I says, of course, my friend was entirely wrong about you know his whole supposition that they can't get parts from the U.S., but somehow I guess they get them from uh, uh, from the U.S. and they maintain. I know a lot of them also replace the engines, and they put Russian engines in and, and replace the other parts, mm-hmm. but they, they found a way to make it work because they really don't have the money to buy new cars, so they have to maintain and keep mm-hmm. the old cars. Well, I think I get, they get a lot of the parts from Canada because Canada is always traded with them. So, Yes. But uh, it is a, it is amazing. It is amazing that... Uh, but they, uh, and if you're a lover of old cars, and I am one, uh, to see those uh, cars from the 40s, 50s, and 60s 
still uh, roaming the streets. It's quite amazing. Oh, it's uh, they're they're everywhere. I, I mean, I have to tell you, <laughs> there, there isn't a block that you don't see three or four of these old cars, no matter where you are in Havana. It, it was just mind blowing. <laughs> it was an incredible experience. Well, and then uh, another piece you have on the gallery is called African Dusk. Uh, tell the audience about that one, Nicholas. Yes, uh, African Dusk was uh, uh, what I like to refer to and has been referred to as a moment. Uh, this one has also won uh, uh, quite a few awards and, uh, and and been in quite a few exhibitions. That was on a uh, father-daughter trip to, uh, to Africa. Uh, my daughter and I uh, went to... Uh, South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, uh, and this was uh, during our stay in uh, an elephant camp in Botswana. And we were driving, uh, this was at dusk, and uh, we were driving uh, uh, back to, uh, to the camp. Uh, and as we're driving, uh, here comes this herd of elephants just crossing, you know, the, uh, the, the sand road. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, instinctively and natively, you know, my, my arm spasms with camera in hand right out and just started snapping away, uh, you know, the, the photographs. And I was able to uh, uh, create a series of three uh, in the sequence. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not like, you know, you see a lot of elephant pictures and, and people, you know, mm-hmm. they're nice, uh, they're unimpressed or whatever. People love these because it was, uh, you could see it was spontaneous and it was just, capturing a moment and it's not stage and it's not positioned it, it was just uh, a reaction to a moment that that was uh i was fortunate enough to be able to capture and uh, uh and present well it is a gorgeous gorgeous uh, uh photograph uh, of the herd of elephants uh that uh, must have been uh quite an uh, amazing event it, it was extraordinary the uh, uh what we saw and what we experienced uh it was uh you know, this was definitely, uh, you know, what, you know, people would uh, coin as a bucket list trip. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was every part of that. And it was, uh, it was just wonderful to see the animals in their, their natural habitats and, and allowing us to, to interact with them and, 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 and visit with them. And it's something we'll be able to, to share and reflect on, uh, all our lives. Uh, something special that I did with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, that has to be, uh, you know, a, uh, another joy as well is being able to t- travel with your daughter and and do these trips. Uh, not only to spend time with her, but for both of you to to uh, do your photography. Yeah, it's very nice to be able to share something uh, something like that. Uh, you know, we've always uh, uh, talked and finally found uh, a, a hobby and an interest. Uh, that we're both passionate about and we enjoy doing together. And uh, it, it's wonderful. It just uh, gives us the ability to connect. I'm very, obviously, very close uh, with my daughter. And, uh, mm-hmm. in fact, I just dedicated a, a new book. Uh, I was approached by YBK Publishers uh, earlier last year, uh, and they wanted to create a little coffee table book, and uh, so we did. And I uh, was very keen and very quick to uh, to dedicate uh, that book to to my daughter and the inspiration that she gives me uh to to be a photographer and uh, and try to you know put together good uh, good work well that's wonderful i'm sure you're you're both quite proud of each other and and really enjoy the time you spend together most definitely well nicholas we are getting near the end of the show uh always like to ask 
uh, one final question of our guests, and that would be advice that they would give to someone that's uh, thinking about or new to the art field. I think the biggest and, and, and uh, most serious commitment you can make is to, to be honest with yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Put it out there. Trust your gut. Trust your intuition. And be persistent. You know, persistence and consistency uh, of, of commitment uh, lead you down the path to, you know, where you want to reach. That's, I think, really probably the uh, the cornerstone and and the foundation to to achieving your goals and and uh, and getting to where uh, to where you want to be. Oh, that is so true. And uh, how do you go about marketing? I, that's usually a tough thing for artists is marketing their art, and you seem to be doing quite well with that. Would you have any pointers on that? Yeah, well, I, I have an unfair advantage because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've been uh, self-employed for 37 years. And in order to be self-employed, that probably makes me a great marketer. Uh, <laughs> and all I did all I did was really uh, take what I've learned over the last 37 years in, in uh, marketing my uh, my businesses uh, and applied mm-hmm. it to uh, to my art business. Um, oh. uh, it's you, you need to get out there. You need to be in exhibitions. Uh, you need to, you know, get in magazines. Uh, you need to do the social media. Social media today uh, is is I think a, a, a pivotal a pivotal and critical uh, you know turning point to really get your message out to get you out get your artwork mm-hmm. out. But you got to do it every day. It's uh, marketing is a full time job, and and it needs to be done every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Uh, just continue delivering, you know, your message. Continue, you know, putting your, yourself and your work out there. And over time, uh, you know, these uh, seeds, uh, you know, take root and they start to develop, and then things start to uh, start to happen. But uh, but you need time and you need patience. Well, that certainly is great advice, and you're so right about social media. Uh, I sometimes wonder, how, you know, it is what's great about today is that you can see artists work from all all around the world. You can go on the internet, and you can find uh, all sorts of, of different art and, and arts with different points of view. And, and I often wonder, you know, the uh, masters would have probably loved to have had that opportunity, but, you know, they were pretty much, uh, you know, locked into just whatever was around them because they didn't have the the ability to, in most cases, to travel and, and see other types and different type of artists work. Absolutely. Let's not let's not lose sight of the fact that the internet only came into viable mm-hmm. usage. Uh, until the mid 1990s, you know, 1995. Or right. So. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it hasn't even been 20 years. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I agree with you that the masters, uh, uh, they were they were dependent on what was around on on uh, you know key galleries or representatives that mm-hmm. could you know introduce them or promote them. Uh, social media right. has created a, a, a completely different opportunity and completely opened the door 
you know, but as with anything, you know, the baggage comes along with it. And what I mean by, you know, the baggage comes along with it is, <laughs> yeah, you can get your message out, but now there's, you know, 100,000 other artists that are getting their message out. Too, so <laughs> the competition is fierce. So, yes, so you is. need to you know, differentiate and distinguish yourself and set yourself apart, you know, why, you know, you're different and why they should look at your artwork. So marketing, marketing, marketing every day, seven days a week. Well, that is so true, Nicholas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on An Artist Speaks. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to uh, you know continuing to work with your gallery and, uh, uh, and see what the future brings. That's true. We have enjoyed working with you and look forward to continuing working with you as well, Nicholas. Thank you so much. And I want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to view Nicholas Tatelli's stunning art, to listen to this interview and, of course, purchase some of Nicholas' art, visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online. I want to let all of the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And while you're there, you can check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. And if you're an architect, an interior designer, or just a lover of art, who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning the walls, then visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. And Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we'll meet again in two weeks. But next Saturday at this time, be sure to listen to our show, The Business of Art, hosted by artist and published author Sharon Hawkshaw, as she shares tips and ideas on how artists can grow their business. Again, thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend.